Hello everyone, welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I have been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I've been intrigued to learn how a company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. We have Shirley today to talk about her product and her motivation to start her company. Shirley, can you please tell about yourself and the company? Hi, thanks for this opportunity. It's great to be here. I'm Shirley, the CEO of Symmetrics. Symmetrics is a cyber performance management platform, basically aiming to help the security leadership to gain consolidation for management purposes. We are all familiar with consolidation for operational reasons, events, vulnerabilities management, but we would like to see the layer of data from the operations that the ones who are leading, driving, planning, budgeting the organization are curious to see. So eventually we are an out-of-the-box measurement platform providing dozens of different out-of-the-box metrics divided to the different security programs and shifting a very manual processes done these days in a security organization into something which is very automatically. Get us the API keys, get us the data, and the next thing you would see is how your organization is performing. So I'm an architect by trade, and one of the parts I always talk with my customers and with my peers as well is, if you're going to plan to buy something and there is no way for you to measure it, what's the point of buying it? So I think you guys solving a very important problem, and thank you for doing this. Very excited to learn more about how you started and what happened. Now, you guys have been around almost three years. So I'm guessing you're one of these pandemic starters that's starting during the pandemic. So tell me what happened three years ago that clicked and made you to start the company. You're spot on. We did start in the midst of COVID after there were layoffs in the previous company I worked for. I was leading a very interesting automotive project. The industry was hit very strong then. And one of previous colleagues of mine approached me, basically told me, surely I'm a CISO. I'm suffering painfully from a specific problem and I'd like to resolve that. And I think I have an understanding of how I'd like to consolidate data for management purposes. And he gave me the whole spiel of why this is painful for him at this organization, why whenever he just wants to see data from the operations or go to the board or customers and show them how an organization is improving, he needs to divert SMEs from their security work to do data digest processes. The first thing I asked them was, why me? I'm not coming from security background. You probably want to take this 8200 kid with the right check the box to go and fundraise, right? And he was like, no, I am a very technical person. Security and cybersecurity is a very technical world. Most of the people I need to speak with about this are non-technical. So we need to find a way to make it very simple and very layman's understanding of how the security is now. Are you a five? How can you get to a seven? Does it mean budgets? Does it mean things I can fix tomorrow morning? Or does it mean I need long-term strategic investments here? So how do we simplify that? And that's why I'd like you, someone who's coming from a more commercial marketing account management background, to help me to bridge this gap. So this is an interesting story. And my second question, always on a podcast, like, great, you have a story. Great, you have an idea. I have tons of ideas. But now you need to understand the important part of validation. Great. Who will buy this? So what's the next step? You talk to the person. 
Are you guys going and starting talking to other CISOs or what do you guys do? So I admit because I was not as familiar as he was with security space, I needed to do my own personal validation. I needed to see I'm connecting and understanding the space and getting excited about what I'm doing. I love new challenges. I've been shifting several domains in my life before that. I think ambitious curiosity can take you very far. But those very first validation calls were not for symmetrics, but for myself. And once I've heard, I think, for the second and third or fourth time, the understanding that this is a major pain point, starting from CISOs we discussed, with the consultancy companies who are doing this as a services, they're bringing troops of people, analysts, trying to understand the performance of a company, understanding the risk situation and coming up with a list of recommendations. Now, only from hearing that story, I realized, hold on, so they came with the list of recommendations. How can we measure eight weeks later or that those recommendations were actually implemented that helped me minimize the risk, improve the way I'm using my products, identifying where I can actually go and push the organization further. So if this mindset is not being dynamic, there is a system limitation, regardless to how much you're going to spend on big four consultancies to do this for you. So I'm going to go a bit deeper here because you started the company during pandemic. When pandemic started, everybody were complaining I used to meet people for lunch. We used to go for a walk, whatever it is. And now everything stopped. I cannot reach anyone. I don't have to call anyone. And you mentioned you were able to talk to multiple people. How hard it was to actually find people and tell them about the story. I think you start in a very intuitive way. Who you have friends that may be able to help you. And I, not coming from that military unit, I don't have that network built in. But asking around a few people, understanding or making the story as simple as, this is the story, can you help me speak with? So there's a lot of networking research we've been doing to begin with. And surely my partner, he had some of his own ties that he brought in. And we started building our own network of people. Some of them up until today are in touch and engaged with us. And that's how we started doing those conversations. But you really need to be a people's person to be able to reach to specific people. And that's actually I learned from the day I was in policy and strategy 100 years ago. Human skills, soft skills. Yes, it's really about that. It's not enough just to send an email. You need to get the right person to open the door for you, to frame it right, to get feedback. Not all pitches are correct for everybody. You need to be very tailor-made here. Those sensitivities, I think it's nothing to do if you're coming from security space or another space, but it's something you need to do when you're working with people and to get them to be curious around you. Fair. You did the story validation. People like the story. Now they need money. What's next? That was painful. It started with the local, very naive understanding. We're going to call a few VCs. It's a good story. It's going to work, but it's not because I'm not the typecast. I got, I'm not going to name names, but I was actually told by a very senior ex-official in Israel who invests in startups, telling me, I believe you're overqualified to start a startup now. And I just want to ask him, so you're saying I'm old? <laughs> Why do you mean you're overqualified? How can someone could be an over... Like, I was shocked from that sentence. And you get this, it was not a fit. So it took really long time until we, we realized how to crystallize it. Unfortunately, we had to skip on the ecosystem here because it's very homogenic, though there are efforts to try to reverse it, but stats for the past three years just speak for themselves. And then we were introduced, actually there was one investor in the company was the one who introduced us to our current investors. And from then on, it was very fast. But together, 
it was a very painful process. For me, at one point, it was a matter of principle. I'm going to front with symmetrics whatsoever. And it happened. Interesting. You have the money right now. I guess now it's time to hire people. I'm sure hiring people is not easy, especially if it's your first startup. But also, you need to build some kind of a qualification. Like, what is the culture of the company trying to build that people will match this culture? Tell me about this story. Did you define the culture? You were trying to figure out culture during the process of hiring. All those founders and CEO of a company or sister telling me we are a family. It's part of a home. You're my best friend. No. I'd like my environment, work environment to be very friendly. I'd like them to feel at home, but I know that everybody in my team have their own home. They have their own priorities and we should not mix that. And I think that was this understanding that A, we need to get the right professionals to help us in a very short period of time to lift something which is very big. People that are very flexible in mind because maybe we've done major research and work around specific epic and then we decided to throw it all the garbage because it doesn't make sense now. So if you don't have that agility, rather than taking it personal, it's something that really needs to be part of the company. Just be very light in terms of, okay, we did this investment, didn't work, let's move on. And so it was starting with first understanding who are the professions we want. And we did this completely regardless to who are the friends we can bring. And after we defined that list of skill sets we want in the company, then we started going to a recruiting companies and some friends that we knew. Bringing your best friends to work with you, there is very positive impact to this, but there's also some downsides to this. I'm always saying with the early subcontractors I work with, some of them was like, Hey, no worries. I'll give you a major discount. I'll work for free for you. And then I don't want no one to work for free for me because I want to be able to be the very assertive, professional, high-level requests. Even when things are going the wrong direction, I want to be able to come and demand things because that's my level of professionalism. And if I'm hiring my five best friends from the unit, it may be able to create some additional pains later on. It's I'm not comfortable or I'm letting go of my own standards. Fast forward. Coincidentally, I have this hiring that end up to be a couple of friends. So the best friends of one of the founders is our product. We have two people who worked at the same company. This developers and came together. We have two other people from different professions that were shifting from one major company to Symmetrics. And I think that created a really nice environment of, I have a friendly face I know here. But it's a very professional environment. So it's this, and I think it's like today, it's fun to work with Symmetrics, but I know everybody's priorities. And it's important for them to know that they have other priorities in life than just 100% Symmetrics. Let's dive into task management. As a CEO, you have many things to juggle. There's the sales, there's engineering, customers, marketing. How do you stay on top of things? I actually think that the thing here is to not to let go. So once you have the sufficient trust in some of your colleagues, if there are things that need to be escalated, things that are, they need my advice, I'd be happy to help. We have all the things that are in place, but it's their domain to lead. And I think to create that synergy is an important part of the puzzle of knowing here's my head of product, here's my head of security. They are leading this field. They will guide us through the next steps of what's being done. And I'm here to help and maybe give advice or mediate between different thoughts, but it's for them to lead. Where you have places that you're feeling less strong about it, this is where it's hard for me to let go. But naturally, sometimes you just need to let go because 
you have other things to do. So it's really about full-time prioritization process. But is it hard because everybody has their own task management? Is it hard to understand your task, their task? Do you use some kind of systems, tools to help you with tasks? Well, first, being a CISO of a company, I think I have two major things. One, it's about the customers and the facing of the company and the branding of the company. Naturally, get the team in place and the routine of the company. But if that epic would be prioritized, you no, know, on top of another one, unless there is a customer that is pending that and now this needs to be delivered, then it's not being prioritized. I leave the team to know that. They know it. They know where things are now pressing and they need to press. It's really hard to be in all the details. And really letting go is part of that. And I'd like to focus on the major customers, the naturally investors relation when you know the right timing is there. But, but it's really about that. It's the outbound. Let's talk about customers. Of course. As a founder, you're basically the first salesperson of the product on the company. Now, and you spoke about let go. So you're going to sell the baby. You're going to be involved in all the first deals. But in one point, you will need to step back and let the sales team take over. How it's working? How hard it is to let go? When do you know when to let other people do? And when do you know that you need to be still part of the sales process? So first, I don't think we were there yet, but we're absolutely in a place of trial and error. So we work with several sales consultancies or resellers, and it's really the way I interact with them that helps me define the future of the sales team that will be in place, how they're taking ownership, how deep they're going into the details, how well they're getting the story right, or even more, how they're getting my story and make it better, which I think is even more important if they know to tweak some of the messaging. If they know to lead me and enrich me, I think that's the right synergy. If they were just going to copy-paste everything I would do without added value, I think it may be a mess. But if they would come and tell me, this is my Rolodex, I know those people, I know how to buy them in, and this is how I would like to tweak your messages to be able to close deals there, I would feel much more comfortable with that level of trust and naturally the delivery behind it. So I hope it makes sense in terms of how I will go once time comes. There are these interesting questions because every time you go to a customer, it's like, oh, if you had this feature, I'll buy this. Then you go to a different customer. Oh, you have this feature, I'll buy this. So I call it chicken and egg. What do you tell the customers? Sorry, Mr. Customer, we don't have it, but when you buy it, we'll develop the feature. Or you tell the customer, yeah, we have it and go and quickly develop it. Like, how do you approach this problem? So first, I think it's not what features you need to buy. It's what are you suffering from? That's like the main discussion we need to have with customers. Where is your main pain point? As a security leader, your vulnerabilities team may have another pain point or your SOC may have another pain point. They need another technology for that. But you as a CISO office, what are you missing? And I can give you an example of a discussion with customers saying, I'm the VP SecOps. I need to plan for the next year. And I needed to get visibility to how our vulnerabilities world have been doing in the past year. So I asked the head of vulnerabilities, can give me information. And it was like, of course, I will be the most transparent with you. Please take the keys and password to all the availabilities platform and figure that out. <laughs> now that VP SecOps, he doesn't know those vulnerabilities tools. He doesn't know to work with them. And this is the gap. How can I plan if I don't have the data and understanding to this data? And this is exactly where Symmetrics comes in. How do you enable access to operational data to someone who's not in the operational details, but need to do his job on top of that data. If you can go back three years ago, is anything would you do different before you start the company or when you started the company? There is probably a long list. Not everything here I would probably reveal. I think there's an understanding of the level of maturity of product when you actually want to roll it out, which is something which is very hard to, to define. 
you asked earlier, you know, are you first getting the contract and go, then going to the code or you're putting something out there and then, you know, you create a teaser for the future. And I frankly believe you need to put something to tease the customer, to show them that, you know, the value. So they would see the, and understand the value they're going to get in six, eight, 10 months, particularly when you're a very young startup. And even though we had very early paying customers, we barely had a development team at that time. So it was really hard to do this gap, expectations gap to manage. But the ones that decided to join us on this ride were great believers of this journey and understood why metrics needs to be automated, driven from the stack and helping that level of management in the organization. Okay. So I guess better code, better metrics in the beginning, better vision. Understanding when good looks like and how to focus on that one killer feature but early on, understand that this would be the thing that helps you. And then the question comes, if you have two or three, how you prioritize them for two different customers that want things similar but different. We're going to soon transition to something I call a dark side. But before that, I want to ask you a question. We all have pressure. We will sometimes get everybody get overwhelmed. What do you do when you're stressed? What do you do? Meditation, running, walking, spending time with the family. I want to say I'm a big yoga fan and I've been doing yoga probably for the past decade and something I'm doing much less in the past year or year and a half, which is unfortunate, but I'm using a lot of the yoga mindset in crunch days or in pressure days. That's certainly something that's in my mind. I live just by the park here in Tel Aviv, which is certainly something I'm every day making sure I have some debrief time just to get some fresh air and clear my mind. And I really think that keeping the balance and working 12, 15 hours a day, don't think it's something which is sufficient eventually. I rather work less, but be very focused and be energized the rest of the time than just work around the clock. And we all work hard at one point, it's just not being efficient. And I think this is something you need to be sensitive to. Okay, we're going to move to the dark side. Dark side is when we talk about stuff that didn't work completely as you expected. And for everybody that's listening, the stuff we've been doing from the beginning, it's when you guys are sharing what went bad. It could be customer, it could be POC, or you mentioned a bit about raising money was not so easy. So tell us more stories about stuff that didn't go as you expected, and maybe you learned a lesson, or maybe it was just painful. I think that one of the things that was a very fast learning for me was about hiring the right people and getting people that are helping you offload information and tasks from you. So I had an experience when it was not working well, and I found myself not only investing the team's time, but I also, like, I was doubling the efforts in the same place because it was not managed properly. And, and those are things that you need to be very sensitive to clear up fast and see if this is something you can work with or something which is just a no-go. And sometimes it can be about professional reasons. Sometimes it can be personal reasons. Now, it doesn't necessarily matter because if it doesn't fit and it makes you work harder and the trust is not there, it's hard to do that. And this is something which is very hard. Like the first time I had to lay off someone, it's something that was painful for me. It's not the personal thing, but it's the most personal thing that could be. So that's certainly something that I had to confront with myself. But eventually it's not my personal good. It's for the company's good. But it's to know to time it to the right data points that, you know, okay, it's not just me. It's a problem you need to fix. So that was certainly a tough period for me to do that. And an interesting learning curve to cope with that. Anything else you want to share? I think that maybe the other thing was when the SVB crisis came in, 
that was a very fast roller coaster in terms of, yeah, everything is fine. And then you understand, okay, I may not have <laughs> my bank account. Maybe really. before you go there, explain to people that miss this part. So a while ago, <laughs> a while ago, one of the most comfortable banks for startups went bankruptcy or solvent, not sure how, what was the terminology used then, but basically the bank was shutting down. And all our accounts were frozen. Literally, you could not get into your account. And some companies managed to get some of the funds out. Some thought they are able to get the funds out, but then they realized it was never processed, like with ours. And then you have a whole weekend that you not really know what's going to happen with that bank. Now, we all seen previous cases that you may not see the money again from whatever insurance reasons and how the bank can depend. Nobody really knew what's the problem and how bad things are with the SVB in that days. And then I have a weekend and I need to plan a company with what they do have. So that was a major painful weekend. Everything turned to the best, but the bank was acquired. All the funds came back to us, but that 72 hours were very stressful. I think the important thing in those period of time is to understand it's not in my control whatever would happen i cannot really control that is this a lesson learned from here a diverse your funds <laughs> don't put them all in one place though originally it was not all in one place in our case either way but we even further diverse that communications with the team was very important those days to basically explain to them that you're all reading the news i'm reading the news just as you you are in a certain situation, trust that I am in the same situation and much greater. So feeling that togetherness was important in those phases. Because what can we do? It was really out of our hands to do that. But thankfully, it was it, it behind us. Surely, thank you very much. Time flew very fast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Everybody that's listening to us right now, please continue listening. And I hope you enjoy the episodes and everything that's coming in the future. Thank you, everyone.